attention architects, and creative minds. Get ready to supercharge your brand with Build Your Brand, the podcast that's unlocking the secrets of branding success for creatives. Hey there, it's Mark Arlapage, founder of Entree Architect, and I'm inviting you to join my friend, architect marketing expert, Jeff Eccles at Build Your Brand Podcast, where he explores the captivating stories of the world's top brands and transforms their lessons into powerful moves for small firm architects and creatives like you. In season one, Jeff shares the thrilling tale of Southwest Airlines, where he dissects their journey to the summit and distills it into strategies tailor-made for you. It's important to keep in mind that companies like Southwest compete in the real world, just like you, and face real-world challenges, just like you. You might be surprised at how similar those challenges are to the struggles that you grapple with on a day-to-day basis. Don't miss out on your blueprint for success. Subscribe, tune in, and let's build your brand together. You may have noticed that the very best brands in the world are also known for having somewhat unique corporate cultures. That's often the glue that holds everything together when they encounter those rough spots. We don't do it because it inconveniences the passengers to whom we are primarily dedicated, the short haul uh, frequent flyer. Follow the link in the show notes to subscribe to Build Your Brand today. Remember, no matter the size, the journey's the same. Your brand's journey to the top starts here. My name is Mark Arlapage, and you are listening to Entree Architect Podcast, where each week I speak with inspiring, passionate people who share their knowledge and expertise all to help you build a better business as a small firm entrepreneur architect. Chris Clark, welcome to Entree Architect Podcast. Thanks, Mark. I'm really happy to be here. I look forward to having a good conversation with you. Oh, I am very uh, interested in having this conversation because, because I'm struggling. <laughs> and I know there are other people out there who are struggling too. Uh, and I'm really looking forward to having a conversation about BIM and and how to transition to BIM. And there's lots of people like me who are in their 40s and 50s or older who, who you know, live their lives in architecture. You know, for me, I learned on a drafting board before computers were even involved. I was right at that transition. My first job, uh, my first office that I was in, drafting boards everywhere. When I got there, first computer came into the office in the early 90s. And uh, my job was to sit down and learn how to do CAD. And so as a young architect, I learned CAD and I got really, really good at it. And my entire career, I've been using CAD and it got more efficient and more efficient and super fast and could do everything I needed to do. And I never really needed, from my perspective, to transition to BIM. But as I've grown and the company's grown and the things that we do uh, become different and more involved, um, I see the benefit and I, and I want to make that transition. And I know there are other architects that are in similar positions and it's hard to do that. And so I'm really looking forward to having this conversation with you. Um, let me ex- explain who, who you are so, so our audience can understand why I've invited you to this episode. Chris Clark is the uh, architect ARCHICAD Solutions Director at BIM6X. That's the numeral six, so BIM6X. He received his Bachelor of Architecture degree from the University of Idaho in 1991. 
1996, he founded Visual Motion Incorporated, uh, offering architectural and technology consulting to architects and builders throughout the Intermountain uh, West region. That's Idaho, right? Idaho region. Uh, Chris has focused his career on providing solutions and services, utilizing BIM technology through Archicad. Uh, his passion for sharing his, this technology is evident in his training and his workshops. He's had successfully implemented Archicad in hundreds of firms over the past 22 years. Uh, he's also worked on hundreds of consulting projects, providing services from design to production, documentation, and rendering animation services. So there's nobody better than, than you, Chris, to have this conversation with me. Uh, I started the transition months ago. Um, I talked about it on social media. Uh, and it's hard. It's, you know, with all the things that I'm doing, uh, it, it's hard to make that that transition. So I wanted to have you come on here and and sort of walk me through some steps on on how to make this transition. Uh, some of these steps I'm already, I've already accomplished because I started, uh, but I want to start from the beginning. I want this to sort of be a primer, sort of basic, basic steps of if you're going to move from CAD to BIM, how do you do this? Uh, and so we've put together five steps that we can share and talk through. Um, so we're going to do that. So thanks for coming by and, and talking to me here, Chris. Yeah. Yeah. This is great. I'm looking forward to it, Mark. All right. Uh, before we do all of that, I want to know more about you. I want to know your origin story. So go back as far as you want to go back, uh, and share, you know, when did you discover your passion for architecture? Who or what inspired you to, to take this path? Yeah. I always had an interest in, in design as, as a youngster, I guess. And, and I debated between design and, and engineering. And I, I, after you know, taking some drafting courses, I realized, you know, design was kind of my, my thing that I wanted to, you know, proceed or, or pursue in life. And so it was when I went to architecture school that I also started to realize that I relate a little bit more to the construction aspect of things, how things were put together, more of the kind of the builder side. And so after I got my degree, I was fortunate enough to work for a design build firm. I was fortunate enough to work for a, a small arch architecture firm where I implemented CAD. And what was interesting, back to my degree, I was the first student to do my entire thesis in, in CAD, in a computer, <laughs> which I look back today, and I could do my entire thesis probably in 15 minutes, um, you know, look, looking back. And so yeah, yeah. I came out, and, and I did this, we're talking about transition here and things like that. I've done a lot of transitions, hand drafting to CAD. Yep. I implemented CAD in two firms. I was a BIM or a CAD manager. Uh, then I was fortunate enough to work in uh, doing some computer consulting as well. And so I really feel like I've kind of come full circle in 31 years since graduating from architecture school of experiencing so much that a lot of your followers and people that, that follow Entre Architects um, go through, you know, from from small business uh, to to making changes in in their systems, to dealing with IT, all those different things. And so it's been really fun journey to to do this and to work with so many cool smaller and, and mid-sized architecture firms throughout you know the the 10 states that we actually work in um and beyond it's just it's exciting and, and great software developers and things so um yeah that's kind of my, my my quick you know background uh with you know where where i was and where i am now and i hope to do this for a, a long time you know moving forward yeah, well, you provide a very valuable service at uh, BIM 6X. Could you tell tell me a little bit about BIM 6X? How did that start, uh, and yeah. then what are the, what are the services that you provide there? Yeah, it, it's really interesting how how it all uh, formulated. It's kind of a long story, so I'll kind of give you the 
the, the, the short version of it. Uh, one of my colleagues um, and, and partner in BIM6X, his name's Lincoln Ellis. He's actually one of the best template people around when it, when it comes to BIM templates, especially in ARCHICAD. And um, we had known each other for years. One thing led to another. And about 10 years ago, we, he re, we reconnected when he moved back from Australia to the U.S. and had this idea of bringing our two companies together to really, you know, me more on the, on the software and um, business consulting side. He, he on more of the technical side at that point with ARCHICAD. Uh, and BIM, and so we we decided to create BIM Six X, and since then it's been it's been it's been awesome working with so many people, working with Link um, and his knowledge. You've um, that brings a whole nother level of of service to clients because too often we find clients with a lot of software that they they buy software and they try and use it and they do they tinker around with some training, do some YouTube searches, things like that. But there's so much more. I mean, the first commitment is buy the software. The second commitment is that you know learning and implementation and continuing education. Um, so it's been it's been great. Uh, and I look like I said back to what I said before. Uh, looking forward to working with so many more clients in the future because we work with about a thousand um, architects currently, or and also engineers, uh, interior designers, and um, contractors as well. Great. If anybody wants to to check out the website, actually a really cool website. It's bim6x.com. You can see everything that that Chris and, and his teams are doing over there. Um, so I I asked you to um, put together a really basic list of of how do you make the move from CAD to BIM. Um, and so we put together a list, and I, I want to sort of give you the list up front so everybody understands what we're going to do, and then we'll we'll talk through it. Um, so there are five steps. I asked for five steps. So, so five steps. Uh, embrace that it's the same and different, right? That that BIM has lots of similarities to to CAD, and there's lots that's that's different. So we'll we'll talk through that. The second one is to make sure that you have a training, some resources, some somebody to go to when you need that help or to learn what you need to learn. Um, that training is a critical piece, which is what I'm learning. Um, Third one is a template. Make sure you have a really good template. I'd love to talk through that. I recently had uh, Jared Banks on with Shunum and uh, and he does a great template and we had a great conversation. So I want to talk with you about that as well. Uh, the fourth one is um, choose the software that's best for you. And I really want to talk about that one because I think a lot of the this initial struggle to move from CAD to BIM is just choosing what to do, right? What's because in the entree architect community on Facebook, we have 8,000 architects in there, private community of only architects. So they ask super honest questions. And that question comes up all the time. What, what software should I choose? So I want to talk right. to you about that. And then the fifth one, I'm going to hold the fifth one uh, until we get to the fifth one. Uh, that'll be a surprise on what, what the fifth step is. Um, so let's start from the beginning. Start from the beginning. The first one you talked about with me that, that, um, that, we need to recognize that BIM is similar and at times the same as CAD, but there's lots of difference as well. So, so share that with me. Talk, talk me through that a little bit. Yeah, I mean, in, in CAD, we're, we have we have we have so much control, right? I mean, it's 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 about that that document and and how it's going to look. That floor plan, that building section, you know, the thick cutaway, the thin lines as we go back, right? And you're gonna you're gonna be able to achieve that same result, but it might be a little bit slightly different. Um, I, I, I always remind architects that these subtle changes that you see 
if you if you set up your BIM application correctly, are only going to be noticeable typically by the architect themselves. You know, the average contractor isn't going to look at a set of drawings. Let's say Mark's gone to BIM and he, and he puts out his first set of drawings, and the contract goes, "Oh my gosh, Mark's gone to BIM." You know, the drawings are different. You know, the building's still going to be put together well, everything else. But there's opportunities in going from CAD to BIM that we often talk to um, clients and prospects about that. We're, we're pretty much the only industry that still communicates in a 2D world to build 3D things, spaces. I mean, I joke about with clients, I'm like, I, I don't think Boeing draws an interior elevation of the, of the 787 right. cockpit. You know, they're building a virtual model. So in doing that, and it, it's interesting because I have seen literally thousands of sets of drawings over the years from people doing CAD to hand drafting to BIM. And, and I find that these drawings still look the same. 99% of our deliverables, even in BIM, are still 2D. We might see some more like a 3D cover page. We might see maybe a 3D detail or whatever. And so what, what I encourage um, architects and designers that are looking at moving to BIM is how can you embrace BIM and take your drawing set that you're used to Yes, you can still emulate pretty much 95% of that, exactly how, how it was. But what if we what if we looked at instead of, or not instead of, but let's let's supplement the 2D document set with some 3D content. For example, if I built, let's say I'm doing a custom residence and I have built this beautiful 3D kitchen, but my deliverable is only 2D drawings, I, I'm 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 holding back on valuable information knowledge to my client and to the contractor. And so we have seen some clients start to supplement with 3D snapshots. So we have the, the east elevation and the north elevation. And in between, we have a 3D axonometric view. It's no extra work. You know, some people will go, oh, my gosh, I can't believe this architect is spending all this time building this, this 3D stuff, 3D document. But in, in reality, that 3D document is the investment we call investing in the model. The more information you put in the model the less information you're going to, or less time you're going to spend doing 2D detailing. And then let's be honest, there are clients out there, you probably have them, we all do, that make changes during the design process, right? Well, in CAD, you know, one of the things that we're, you know, uh, we have to do is if a client moves a wall, we probably could have to change that wall in two, three, four, five, ten different views. You know, in BIM, we call it one change, one time, one place. So investing in that model, there are times where anyone switching into BIM or using BIM, you're going to spend more time building something. But the advantage is the client can visualize it. If you want to maybe quantify it, you could quantify it. But again, back to if I have to change it, I just do it one time. So it's a, it's a, big, it's a big difference. Document quality, like I said, is going to be the same. But going to BIM, I always encourage clients to look at their deliverables and how they can make them better. We have one particular client. He spent, I think, several days meeting with all his top contractors and literally laid out the drawing sets and said, what are you using? What are you not oh, using? Oh, great idea. It's awesome because all of us, and I look at the two internships I did. First internship, you know, I come in, I'm green out of architecture school, you know, ready to, to design. Nope, I'm stuck by, back on the drafting board drawing 2D details and stuff. But um I was, I was hoping I would get there. And uh, so I, I think, um, you know, going with the uh, the hand, sorry, back, back to the hand drafting is, you know, drawing these details and then going to CAD is a, 
um, is a shift that that most people you know will, will struggle with, I guess, um, is that that change is is sometimes tough to deal with. Um, and so I, I think embracing what you can do with three and stepping back and going, I don't have to deliver it this way. So we had some clients that um, they say, this is how drawings are supposed to look. Well, that's your take on how the drawings are supposed to look. And so if we step back and go, okay, I have to supply documents for, a, for the building department to, 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 to meet their requirements. And I have to su supply the documents to, for my client and for my contractor. But aside from that, if I make some changes and start putting in some great 3D content, it's not a bad thing. In yeah. fact, people will love it because, again, clients don't understand drawings typically. So, um, so yeah, that's kind of just some of, the, some of the quick things about, you know, the pros and cons and the things to think about as you go in and have that open mind. I've had clients before that they freak out because we're offsetting something different in our BIM software than they did in CAD, right? Yeah. And so it's something that they need to just embrace and keep an open mind to it. Because if you fight it, it's going to be a struggle. Yeah. I, you know, I, I think architects who have, who learned with hand drafting and, and, or even learn in, in CAD, because often the firms that were using CAD started, right. The leaders in those firms started in hand drafting. And there was a specific look that you were taught as a hand drafter on how an architectural set of drawings should look with the thick lines and the thin lines and the lettering and all of that. And architects take pride in that. That's their art, right? When it's you create a set of drawings in CAD or, or in hand drawing, it is, it is our art, right? And so what those drawings looked like was super critical to us. Nobody else cared as long as the information was on those drawings and they can build what you're designing. They were happy, right? Contractors, don't care whether your line weights are right or wrong, as long as the communication is there, right? The exactly. tool, the drawing is a tool to communicate your ideas to the person who's going to construct or assemble uh, the building. And so if you can do that efficiently and effectively through CAD, it didn't really matter to the rest of the world what our drawings looked like, but to us it mattered. Um, but that's what I, what I take away is that BIM can do that too. It's going to be different, right? The drawings will look a little different. Um, it's harder to make it look exactly like a hand drawing, which it shouldn't be, right? It should be the most effective communication tool it can be, period, right? And and um, which also ties back to business, ties back to money, right? That if you can communicate your idea quicker, more efficiently, more effectively, you can make more money, right? Contractors can make more money if they can very quickly understand your concept and not have to design it or build it wrong because they didn't understand what you wanted because they didn't have the tool that was properly designed and developed, right? The 3D drawing instantly gives somebody an idea. Oh, that's what you want. Got it. I can go build exactly what you're looking for. And BIM lets us do that very easily and very effectively. Right. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. I had, I had one architect years ago mentioned, he said, I create beautiful drawings to impress my architect colleagues, you yeah. know, as far as that, that beauty and that art. And it's so important. And, and I hope it's never lost because if we go too far the other way, we will start I to agree. have problems, you know, communicating those drawings effectively. And that's, yeah. what's, that's what's so key. Our, our drawings should be beautiful. It's a, it's a part of what architects are and architects do and, and BIM drawings can be beautiful as well. Um, but they're different. They're different. Right. And, and um, it, it, but it does matter to us. 
you know, when I see a, a beautifully rendered, uh, a, a beautifully drafted floor plan, right? That's that's got the right line weights and it's communicating properly and the and the tags are right and the and the notes are right and they're just it just looks beautiful. I I could look at that and admire it as much as I could admire a painting. It's a beautiful work of yeah. art. Um, but often if you're if you're doing this for a business and you're doing this uh, to be profitable and to be able to ultimately build what you've designed, um, that's less important than communicating your your ideas effectively and efficiently. Right, right, exactly. And that's where we'll we'll kind of ease that pain a little bit sometimes with with that fear is, you know, may, the, and the again these drawings should look pretty darn close if, if you do it yeah. right. But but maybe we'll show your example of a floor plan. What, what if we showed a three D cutaway of the floor plan? Now the client's getting in their head and they kind of see a little bit of depth there. They see you know the the three D layout instead of thinking of it as a as a two D. You know, same with you know building sections. Yeah, another thing that typically in BIM you know, you may not have that perfect refined drafted building section early on in SD or DD, but what if we right next to that did a 3D one point perspective that takes literally seconds to create off of your building information model? Who's going to argue with that, right? right. Now the client's right. going, oh, I see that wall or that window is 30 feet back in the building. I thought yeah. it was, you were right there, you know, that kind of thing. So um, I think those are great opportunities you have with them. Yeah. And, and how, how often have we had a client who didn't understand drawings? I can't read architectural drawings, right? But mm -hmm. they can look at a 3D drawing and see what they're looking at, right? You don't need to read an art, a 3D actual drawing. You just look at it and understand what that 3D drawing is showing you. You don't, you don't need to understand the plan and the section and all of the things that come along with, with that. Right. Um, all right. So that's, that's number one. Embrace the fact that, it's, that some of it's the same, some of it's different. And it's, and, and, uh, and that's a big, big piece of that. Um, number two is, is, uh, make sure you find good resources and training. Uh, so let's, let's dive into that a little bit. Yeah. Again, with experience over the years, I see people that, and we have it. So if we take the, the more old school user, let's call it you and me, you know, yeah, we use YouTube. We do these, some of these things, but we still you know, some of us still want that book, right? We want that manual sitting next to us. Well, let's be honest, that ain't happening anymore. It's all online. It's all digital. Uh, I, I see firms that have, have gone to what they think is BIM, whether it's multiple applications or whatever, and they're, they're, they're two, three, four years in the journey, and they barely left the, the driveway, you know? And I'm like, well, what, what, what's happening here? What, what do you, well, you know, we had a young intern and, you know, he kind of helped us, but we didn't really get fully implemented. And so I think the, the biggest thing is when you choose your soft, while you're choosing your software is choosing your plan, your strategy, whether it's your, you know, software partner, like for example, us, whether it's the developer, I mean, we have great resources through our North American office and the international office of services and tools and people that can make this so much easier and save save people so much time and money, but very few will embrace that. They're like, oh, especially the younger crowd, I can learn this on YouTube. And they do good and they're yeah. productive and they're making money. But I use the example of, you know, you, you invest in BIM. It's an investment, right? You're buying typically a Ferrari, but people drive it like a, sometimes like a Yugo, you know, um, you know, an, an old, <laughs> yeah. an old, old vehicle or whatever that, they're, they're not really embracing it. So it's that commitment to that implementation that is equally as important as what software you choose. 
because I've, I've seen it too often. And, you know, we have clients that will say, well, you know, we don't want to spend X thousands of dollars on, on this training, yet they'll sit in a corner and spend eight hours pulling their hair out, trying to figure something out at a billable rate of 100, 150 an hour. And you're just like, wow, we could have solved, you know, 20 other problems, you know, with that, you know, with that lost time and, and money that you didn't have to do. But again, it's, and it's, again, it's, it's got to be from the start, because if you do it later, I'm too busy. So right now, here, here's, the, here's the thing going on, at least with most of our clients, buried with work. Right. Awesome to hear. So we're like, hey, Mark, how about some training? You know, let's look at your templates. Look at these different things. No, I'm too busy. Okay, so we'll fast forward. Maybe there's a downturn. Hey, Mark, let's talk. Sorry, not enough money. You know, so there's never a good time to do this. So we, our advoc- our, we advocate right from the start, you know, have, set aside that budget, the software and the training and get with the people that know what they're doing and can really explain the workflow and processes to make that transition as easy as possible. Yeah. It, it, it reminds me of the story with Stephen Covey and Sharpen the Saw and the Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. He, t- he shares a story of a, of a lumberjack who's struggling to, to, to cut down this tree with the saw and struggling, struggling and struggling. And somebody comes by and says, you know, well, why don't you just stop and sharpen the saw and then it'll be more effective. Sure. I, I can't sharpen the saw. I don't have time. I have to get this tree cut down. <laughs> right. It's like, and so they just struggle with this dull saw. Um, so if we just take some time, sharpen the saw, get, get, get the training that we need, invest in that, which ultimately, like you said, will save you money because you're not spending hours doing things that you don't know how to do. Um, you can sharpen your saw, get really good at it, get very efficient at it very quickly, uh, which is really the most critical piece when you're already established in a business, like you said, with a full load of, of new projects coming down the pipeline you know, your mind says, I can't stop to learn this. Well, the most efficient way to do that is to find a great trainer and block out the time to get the training and go through the steps and learn what you need to learn quickly and efficiently. So you can go execute on your projects and make your projects more effective and, and more efficient. Exactly. Well, yeah. And you look at the, 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 the small architecture firm, they're wearing, you know, the principals are wearing five, 10 hats in one day. Yeah. Yeah. And so we joke about the, the first thing we do is we say, Look, we're not going to put a sign on your door that says XY Architects is closed for 30 days while they learn new BIM. So that just isn't going to fly. Right. But it has to be a commitment of that time where it could be you're 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 committing, you know, an hour every day or two hours every other day or one full day a week or the weekend or evenings, whatever. But it's that consistent use. Don't jump in for a week and then go back and practice architecture for a month and then try and come back in because you're going to forget half the stuff. Or if you're yeah. like me, you'll forget three quarters of the stuff, you know? So it's, uh, it, that consistency is also really key. Yeah. And that's, that's become part of my problem, right? Is that I jump in, I learn and I block out the time and then the rest of my life gets super busy and then I, I lose track of it. And then when I go back to learn it, I'm basically starting over. Right. Um, and so not only does the training give you the information in a, in a, in an effective way that you can learn the steps very quickly, but it also is a, an accountability step, right? That, that if I have a meeting with a trainer, I'm going to show up for that meeting with the trainer, right? If I'm right. just trying to learn myself on YouTube or through some, some recorded training, I could easily skip that. I can't skip it when I promise to show up to be with the trainer. Right. So a, a very critical piece. Uh, number three probably ties into number two, the template matters. Yes. Yes, absolutely. That is, um, 
you know, we were talking earlier, it, it's so in CAD, it's it, the, the template is the look of the drawing. You know, red is this, this thickness, yellow is this thickness, blue is this thickness, um, and our layers. You know, that's pretty much it. And we had individual drawings that we're looking at. Well, now in BIM, we're going to build this model that we're going to extract at least at a bare minimum of our drawings. Hopefully, we're doing that little eye in the middle, which some architects <laughs> don't always take advantage of, which would be the information. You know, they're doing at least schedules, but we could start pulling more data. But we cannot have a, a template that just is looking at, you know, layers, line types, fonts, and colors. You know, we have to now say, okay, when I pull this floor plan off of the model, I want it to look this certain way. But when I pull this reflected ceiling plan or furniture plan or electrical plan off of that same model, I want it to look differently. Well, Imagine if you had to do that on every single project you did, kind of a blank generic BIM template. Well, now you're managing BIM and you're not focusing on design and architecture, which is a, kind of what I think most people got in this business to do. And so it's really important to have a template set up that says, okay, I, you know, Mark knows how he wants his drawings to look. So we're going to define that in a template. So you're going to spend 50, 60, 80, 90% of your time building this beautiful model to where your CD phase could be as little as 10, 20, 30% of your time instead of typically reverse of that. Right. And so that template is so key because, well, the other issue with templates is if we decide, if we don't have a good template and people start putting things on different layers, you know, the software we use, ArchiCAD still, you know, works in layers, which a lot of our clients like. But any sort of filtering you're doing, if you don't follow the, the template and the protocols, the system will fail you big time to the point of, you know, we're, we're talking potentially errors and omissions because, you know, so-and-so decides, oh, I'm going to put this over here on this layer. Well, maybe that view now didn't show that layer because you decided to make that change. So it, it sounds like a lot, but kind of like the software as an investment, the training investment, the template is also that investment. Yeah, you point out, you know, with, with Jared Banks, you know, he does great work with templates. Um, there's, there are resources out there to buy templates. There are resources, are, resources out there to um, have templates developed for you. There's resources out there to, for you to build your own template. You got to choose what you want. But at the end of the day, that template can make a difference of 5%, let's say, productivity increase, 10, 20, 30% productivity increase. And then if we're a, a more than a one-person firm onboarding, you know, back in the day, again, with a 2D CAD template, I could teach someone our, our template in you know, a matter of minutes. Here's our layers, here's our line types, here's our fonts, here's our colors, let's go. A BIM template, you know, we got to have that thing refined to where when I onboard someone, I can tell them, okay, here's our kit of parts. We call them favorites. So here's our wall styles. Here's our, uh, here's our favorite objects that we use or W blocks to use the AutoCAD terminology. And so they're just assembling the building based on the kit of parts we've defined as a firm and how they'll look graphically. And so it makes it really nice. And then also that template is very powerful when we collaborate. Now we want to work with the engineer. Okay, we have a template system that we're going to work with the structural engineer or the mechanical or the contractor, you know, those kind of things. And so it is, you know, it, those three, you know, choose the software, um, the training and the template are I would say equally important across the board. You neglect one and you're immediately, the system is going to drop to a much lower level of, of efficiency than it could be. Yeah. The thing I love about the template is that I have control as a business owner, 
right? That template is mine and it could be adjusted to make it look and feel the way I want it to look and feel, but also those details and the blocks and the favorites that you've developed. Now you don't have people, drafts people or, or, or designers going rogue, doing their own thing. We're trying to figure out how to do this, spend a month trying to, trying to figure out this detail that's already been designed once you have yep. it all done and ready to go. So you know that your projects are going to be designed and built the way that you want them designed and built efficiently and effectively, uh, saves you lots of time, gets the buildings built in the way you want them built. Um, and you have total control over, over that, right? It's not just lines and layers. It's how do you want this wall to be assembled, right? Do you, right. Do you want this wall to just be a standard stud wall or is this some you know, more efficient, more effective, more sustainable design that you want to become your standard, you just click it and pick it. And that's the wall that you're going to use. Right. And so there's, you, you don't leave anything to chance or to an inexperienced designer to, to make mistakes with it's all there in the template. Yeah. That, that's a really example with like, you know, an intern or, or really anyone, you know, how, what is the, what is the international law for showing a two by four in floor plan? Are we showing the sheetrock on each side? Or are we not, you know, and there's, you know, is it three and a half? Is it four and a half? Is it, you know, um, and so I, I think, you know, when you define as, as a principal and, and often it's as a team with a, a firm of, of multiple individuals that this is what we're going to do. And you adhere to that. It makes it fun. You know, we, we tell clients, if you're spending more than 5% of your time in dialogue boxes, you know, on a project, we might want to look at your template and things because you're in there tweaking settings. You know, once you decide how a toilet's going to look graphically, be done with it. Don't go in there and try and make it look prettier. Or if you do make that in your template. So it's prettier exactly. on every other project. Right. Yeah. Right. If you do, it's an, it's an evolution, right? And, and mm -hmm. your, your business and your knowledge and the way you build things should evolve and, and improve forever. And so when you find that better way, then you adjust the template. So it's there for, for the next project, um, right. rather than, you know, having to use the, what's in the template and then adjust it to this new idea every time you just adjust it once and now it's part of your template. And so that exactly. template can, can conti continuously be the best way you know how to design and build. Yeah. And I wanted to point out one other thing about templates is key is some people, you know, out of the gate, they'll, they'll do a project, right? And they'll, well, I'll use this to kind of build my template, which, which is understandable. The problem is that what a common thing we see with a lot of different BIM applications is they'll do that first project. They'll get it done. Like, wow, this is great. They'll open it up. They'll delete the, the architectural content and they'll re they'll, they'll do the new project in there. And the disadvantage of that is over time, you're going to be building uh, a lot of baggage in there, a lot of extra content. The project can slow down. You switch versions, you know, software versions come out new every year or so. So you start to build this baggage and your files can actually slow down. So that template, you know, what we do, like, uh, here's another thing. Let's say you do uh, residential and light commercial. We'll see clients like, well, I have two project types. I'm going to have two templates. Okay, let's talk about the pros and cons of that real quick. If you have two templates and I got to make an adjustment, new version to the software or new features, whatever, I got to lift two different templates up. So when we're, when we're working with clients and talking to them is we say, okay, Mark, what is your typical or biggest project you'd ever do? Oh, I don't really do anything over, over three stories. You know, these are the projects, you know, project type. We try and build all that in the template. And then what you do when you say, okay, I'm doing a, a, a two-story resident, you open up your template, you strip it down to, your, to that project scope in a matter of minutes, and you're off and running. The problem is sometimes people will come in with a less is more approach. I'm going to have a basic template and I'll build it upwards. Right. Well, it's much easier to delete from a big template 
than to create all the time from a small template or from multiple templates. So, yeah, great advice. Let's take a quick break to say thank you to our sponsors for their support of this episode. Accurate data is crucial, especially in today's business environment. Outdated and inaccurate data leads to turnarounds, delays, and rising costs. With supply chain and staffing issues, these costs and delays can multiply. That's why a resource like RCAT.com is so important. RCAT works with manufacturers to keep their data up to date and accurate and offers it to you easily accessible and free. Use RCAT's powerful search engine to find what you need fast and download it right there on their site without needing to pay for anything. It's free. So go try RCAT.com today. That's A-R-C-A-T.com. Please visit our sponsors today and thank them. Thank them for supporting you, the Entree Architect community. Just to recap, number one is embrace that that BIM is the same and different than CAD. Number two is make sure that you have great resources and really uh, a great training uh, program for you. Number three is the template. Number four is is a great one for me uh, because this question comes up in the community all the time. Which software do I use, right? That, that there's, everybody talks about, oh, this is the industry standard or this is what my engineer has has told me I have to use because this is what they use and we can't co- communicate and coordinate if I'm not using the same software. Number four, you said was choose the best software for you and your architecture firm. Right, exactly. And there, there's so many points we can talk about with this. Uh, I, I see things like um, people, to, to, to your point, I'll ask people, so why did you choose your software? And off, more often than not, I would say it's not a, a huge percentage difference, but it's, well, it's what my engineer used. And I think back and I almost, all, if I know the architect well enough, I'll go, you remember back in the day before we were born that the architect was the master builder, right? Top of the food chain, you know, and now, you know, some people would argue where we're at on that. I'm not going to get in that debate on this, on this conversation, but um I think it's it's key to understand what you want out of your software and what the pros and cons are. You know, one of the first things that people I think should look at is software compatibility with your computer system. If you're a diehard Windows person, yeah, there's probably more choices out there overall. Native software, BIM software working on, on, on Windows. If you're a diehard Mac person, which probably 60% of our clients are, um, then you're, 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 you might be limiting yourself a little bit more. Um, there are s- several good BIM applications that work cross-platform out there. And so I think in, in looking at these software analysis is, is how can you also limit the number of software programs you're going to use in your office? Right. Um, it's unfortunate, I think, if I'm a building owner or a homeowner, to know that my designer or architect might be designing in one program, documenting maybe, this is kind of an extreme, but it does happen, design in one program, draft in another program, and be in a BIM application as well, you know, possibly three. Most often it's either one or two, but a common one is also design in a, in a, in a 3D sketch program like SketchUp or whatever, right. yep. and then move over to BIM. Well, that's fine in early design. And if you're fortunate enough to be the perfect architect that nails the design in that first presentation in SketchUp and can go over into your BIM application and run with it. That's great. But what happens if, you know, 
one day after being in your BIM application, you start making changes and the client says, I want to see that beautiful sketch rendering you did in SketchUp, for example. Uh-oh, double lift, right? Yeah. Uh, new versions come out of each, paying for both softwares, training for both softwares. And so um, it's what's going to work best for you and your workflow is, is, is huge. D you know, if, if your engineer uses XYZ CAD out there, there is a, a very high likelihood that you can work with them in what software they use that works best for their design or their workflow and systems. But you shouldn't be forced. Any of the entities shouldn't be forced. There are things like IFC, industry foundation class, right. where we can communicate this BIM model back and forth. We can communicate DWG back and forth. But I think the bottom line that's kind of funny here when we talk about choosing software and collaborating with people is how often, and maybe maybe the people in your group do this, is you have a CAD file in, in whatever application and you, you ship it over to the engineer. I've learned this over the years that most often architects really don't know what happens as that DWG goes over to the other side of the fence. And I've learned this that often those engineers are going to spend a few, and this is rightfully so, they're going to spend a few minutes possibly tweaking some layers, some line types, some colors, some fonts to match their workflow, correct? Well, then what happens? They flip it back over the fence to the architect and the architect goes, okay, I'm going to make some subtle changes to that DWG for my workflow. And so there's this CAD management of these files that um, you, when you make that software choice, you need to then be working with those consultants to say, Okay, this is what we're doing. I'm going to send you some test files in DXF, DWG, IFC, RVT, you know, wh whatever file formats you're choosing. But let's make this work because often we just kind of deal with our own issues on each side of the fence, but we never talk and lean over and go, hey, Mark, what if we did this? It would save me time, it would save you time, save our clients time. We can make more money and we're all happy. What a great solution. But um, yeah, the, the software, th that is the biggest choice. And there's changes happening in the world. Some softwares are going to be, you know, potentially going cloud-based. Some architects are fearful, fearful of that. Uh, also choosing software, a huge deal in today's world is, are you okay with paying monthly and annual subscriptions? Is that your only choice? Are you good with that? Do you want a software that allows flexibility with, you know, perpetual licenses as well? Um, you know, the software development, you know, what's its history, where it's going, those kind of things. And not fearful that I have to use, like back in the day, we th thought we had to use Windows because they were the biggest and everything else. Um, do we have to use the most common software out there? No. I mean, there are successful people using all different varieties of software. But again, the ones that are successful goes back to question one, two, and three that we talked about. Right, right. Yep. The, 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 the decision on which software may be the biggest barrier um, because that, that that's... It's a big decision, right? You're going to, to start there and that's where you're going to commit your firm to. Um, and so it, it, it matters, but it's also early on when we started learning about BIM, it was complicated to make those, that transfer to communicate with your engineer and to bring files from here to there. And, and was, it was complicated and it did matter. Um, but as IFCs have, have developed and that technology has developed and, and the software themselves have developed, They've become interoperable. They all right. can communicate well with one another. And you can work on ARCHICAD and you can work with an engineer on Revit and it works perfectly fine. Yeah. Um, so that should no longer be the hurdle. It should be right. which software is best for your firm. Um, the type of work that you do, the type of architect that you are, 
uh, the type of clients you have, the things that you want to accomplish with that software. The, like you said, uh, Chris, the, the, the technology and the soft, the, the computers that you're using, right? I'm all Mac. I, I left PCs behind 10 years ago or Me more. I <laughs> uh, won't touch them. I won't, I, you know, I'm not doing anything with Windows ever again. Uh, right. So that matters to me. Um, right. And so, so that's a big piece of why I chose ArchiCAD uh, because it is compatible native to, to Apple products um, and it works for the type of work that I do. Um, and so that one step, number four, choose the software that's right for you. Choosing, just choose, right? Make, do the research, figure out which one works best for you and make that decision because that's the decision that's stopping you from moving through the rest of them. Uh, right. Once you decide, then you can go into number five. And number five is the most critical of all of them is to start, right? Is to right. just do it, right? Stop thinking about it. Choose the software, choose your, your training, choose your template and go start doing it. Start, start the process. Because uh, every day that you procrastinate or every day that you continue using the old way, is one less day that you're advancing through this journey of becoming an efficient, effective BIM firm. Uh, so, so what's your, what's your take there? There's, there's lots of reasons why people don't, don't start. There's fear, there's time, you know, that I, I can't do it. I'm so busy. You were saying about the hats. I, I'm sure you deal with that every day with the work that you do. Yeah. And a lot of, I, I joke about, I have this phrase I call archetherapy, which is basically, you know, talking to someone on the phone or in person, it's like, you know, tell me your problem, tell your issues, you know, what are your concerns? But I think it's that, you know, it's back to that, you know, that business decision too. And, and to not kind of back to that last question real quick was not to look at, at tools. Like we, people call up like, I don't like this tool in my BIM software or my CAD software. How do you do it? It's not, it's not the tools, you know, it's not that this tool does this and that tool does this. It, it's more of the, the business case. And yeah. so you have to look at it holistically, but um, yeah, every day we get, you know, calls from people, you know, with these kind of concerns and, you know, and that, that commitment. And like you said, it's taking that step and understanding that there are these things you're going to have to do. But I, I always use the word investment because right. it's, you know, I don't put money into the market expecting to get, you know, 5% rate of returns the next day. But, you know, we have seen people that, you know, they're 10, 20, 30% more productive after they've gone from 2D CAD to uh, a, a good, you know, BIM system and, and possibly even higher percentages. But it, it's based on, you know, making that commitment and really, you know, going for it and knowing that, yeah, in I'm going to have to pull off a couple hours, you know, at least a week, if not an hour a day, whatever, to say, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to keep doing this learning. And yeah, I'm going to take a hit now. But slowly over time to where, I mean, if I, if I build out or I profited $100,000 last year in my, in my architecture business, and this year I can be 30% more productive, let's say, and I can make $130,000 yeah. with, you know, with a third of that investment up front in software and training, and then get that forever, that's huge. But again, it's, it's all the different hats. I think, you know, making the commitment you know, you know, being involved in, you know, user groups or groups like yours that are providing the resources, you know, finding the right partner, you know, who's your software provider? What are they doing for you? You know, are they providing you a box? Well, that's good. You need the box of software, I guess. There's no box anymore. I guess it's all digital, <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, you know, they need to be, you know, providing more. And 
I think it's just important to, to, to make that commitment and know that there's going to be some pain, you know, change is tough. We go through changes in our business and I'm just as resistant as, 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 as anyone else in, in looking at things and going, Oh, I've never done it that way. You know, and that's, we hear it oftentimes from clients um, that they'll call up. We use a phrase uh, on our support side called picnic. Um, and what happens is people are used to doing things a certain way. And what picnic stands for is problem in chair, not in computer. And so what'll happen is they'll, they'll call up and they'll, I have a few clients that they'll call up like software is not working the way it's supposed to. And they'll complain for like five minutes. They'll hang up the phone prior to hanging it up. They'll say picnic because they realize it's their problem, not the technology problem, whatever. And so I think it's one of those things that if, if you make the commitment, understand the pros and cons and just go for it. Don't fight the systems. You know, some systems are more dialogue box intensive. You may not be used to a lot of pop-ups. Others are more graphically oriented, you know, things like that. But embrace those. Don't don't look back and go, I did it this way. Another big thing, when you make the commitment, take off the, we call it take off the training wheels and go for it. Because if you get partway through a project and you go, hmm, I'm kind of struggling right. in BIM, export DWGs and go back to the training wheels. That's kind of a bad analogy. But if you go back that, you're never going to progress. I know I did that my first three projects 26 years ago. Um, I, I went back to my crutches, my, my previous software to finish a couple jobs. Um, we have some clients, they go bold. They're like, hey, we agreed to do this. This weekend, we're uninstalling our, our current software and we're migrating to, you know, yeah. to, to BIM. And Burn the ships. Yeah, that's, that's gutsy. <laughs> you know, if you're a principal and have done that successfully, and that's great. I, I applaud you. Um, but don't do the other side where you just dabble in it for six months or a year or two or three as well. Yeah. Yeah. And if you're looking for a community of architects who are making the transition, I started a, a new Facebook group called Learning to BIM. Uh, so it's an Entree Architect hosted uh, group on Facebook called Learning to BIM. I invite you to join us. There's a few hundred people there all going through the journey together. Um, Chris, this has been super interesting, very motivational inspiring. Uh, I appreciate you for coming by here and, and sharing your knowledge. Before we wrap things up, uh, I'd love to ask you my final question I ask all my guests. Um, what is one thing that a small firm architect can do today to build a better business for tomorrow? You know, I think the biggest, well, my first thing, if anything, is, is enjoy what you do. And I think most architects do enjoy architecture. It's the business side of things that a lot of us, I mean, I had no training in business. My training was architecture. But I think it's it's getting getting help with the things you need help with. And I think what you've done with Entree Architects and everything, getting the resources that are out there and take advantage of them. It's okay to ask for help. It's it, you'll learn from people that have blazed those trails or whatever, you know, I know it's a cliche term, but that that have done what you've done and leverage those resources because it's tough wearing the different hats. It's exciting. I love the fact that we'll do 20 different things in a single day you know, throwing the hats around, but it can also be crazy because maybe I only really love 10 of those things, but it's, it's part of the business. And so I think it's just leveraging resources out there, you know, being in communities like yours it is huge because you can start to feel kind of like an Island, yeah. um, you know, out there. So that's what, that's what I would say. His name is Chris Clark. The company is BIM 6X. The website is BIM 6X.com. Go say hi to Chris. Tell him where you are in your journey. Um, he has great resources there. You can learn everything you need to learn. He's got templates. He's got everything that you need. Go check it out. BIM6x.com. 
Chris, thank you. Thanks for reaching out to me to, to offer your help for me and my journey. Thanks for coming by here at the Entree Architect podcast and sharing your knowledge with our community. I appreciate you for that. Yeah, no problem. I really enjoyed it. I had a great time and hope we can talk again soon. Looking forward to it. If you liked this episode of Entree Architect podcast, please share a rating, write a review and share a link to this episode with a friend. I know I say this every episode, but I'd really love for you to send me some feedback, share a rating, write a review, however you want to do that. And please share a link to this episode with a friend. Just send it off in an email. Say, hey, take a listen to this episode of Entree Architect podcast, because that is how Entree Architect has grown to serve thousands more architects just like you. I appreciate it. Share a rating, write a review, and share a link to this episode with a friend. Thank you to all our sponsors for this episode. Links to all our sponsors and all the resources that we discussed today in this episode are available at the show notes for this episode and all the episodes can be found at entrearchitect.com slash podcast. entrearchitect.com slash podcast. Entree Architect is a member of the Gable Media Podcast Network. That's the media network that's dedicated to architects, engineers, and construction pros. Listen and subscribe to all the shows at gablemedia.com. That's G-A-B-L media.com. If you like this podcast, if you like Entree Architect podcast, I think you'll love all the podcasts at Gable Media. Go check them out at gablemedia.com. My name is Mark Arlapage. Thank you for listening to this episode of Entree Architect podcast. I appreciate you. Love, learn, and share what you know. Imagine earning continuing education credits while doing exactly what you're doing right now. Well, you can. Gable Media has revolutionized the way you earn your continuing education credits with a groundbreaking approach. Forget running around town and scouring the internet for credit-worthy courses. Fulfill your CE requirements effortlessly by listening to engaging podcasts just like the one you're listening to now. Our podcasts are designed to educate, entertain, and inspire all in a user-friendly environment. But wait, there's more. Architects, Gable Media is also approved as an AIA continuing education services provider. Upon completion, we handle everything, from reporting your hours directly to the AIA to storing your certificates in your personal Gable Media profile for your self-reporting needs. So follow the link in the show notes and start earning your credits in the most innovative and entertaining way possible with Gable Media. Calling all small firm architects. It's time to tap into your full potential with Entree Architects Context and Clarity, where inspiration meets innovation. Hey, it's Mark Arlapage, founder of Entree Architect, and I'm inviting you to join my two favorite co-hosts, Jeff Eccles and Katie Kangas, as they bring together authors, experts, and thought leaders for electric conversations with entrepreneur architects around the globe. It's not just a podcast, it's a community where dreams meet action. There is a simple equation there. And what for me, what that did, just doing that basic calculation was, it allowed me to compare what I had actually saved in my retirement accounts to what I thought a possible projected annual spend might be. 
Artists are temperamental, so beautiful design is going to be a priority. When the job is done, we're going to actually need to live in the house, not live with the person who designed it. <laughs> and so for me, the, the artistic skill, the architectural skill is most important. And so I would say like that would be 60% of it, if not more. Gain insights to build a successful practice. Subscribe, engage, and let's redefine your future together. Join the Context and Clarity community, where every conversation adds to your blueprint for success.